0: Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds.
1: I'm Pete Mitchell, he's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast.
2: Hey, Church Planner. This is Pete Mitchell and this is Peyton Jones and this is going to be
1: the best podcast ever.
2: Pete is very excited about today's topic. We're going to be talking about the best books we read. Oh, I thought we're talking about guns in 2023. It could be a book about guns, Pete. All books are on the table. Let me just say
1: (laughs) there's, there's this great meme out there. And this chick wrote, if you have more guns than books, then you're part of the problem. And this guy replies, he goes, all my guns came with owner manuals. (laughs) (laughs) That's so rad. (laughs) Check and mate.
2: (laughs) Man, Man, I tell you what, I'm looking at all of my books that I done read this year. Well, well I'm pulling gonna... up my audio, my, my audible. I, I don't know. Okay.
1: You know, I did buy just show up, <laughs> but I haven't
2: <laughs> ironically do it yet. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, before we get into that, just, just so you guys know, we're at the end of the year. We want to take stock of all the books we've read that might help you. And of course, if you head over to newbreetraining.com, you're gonna see a blog that we posted on the books that I read, a little bit of a deeper dive. I think I picked the top five normally. Um, But anyways, uh, we also have a tool for helping you uh, set goals for the new year. And part of that's reading goals. Your intellectual goals ought to be a part, not of the problem, as Pete says, but a part of your process, how to develop your mind to think deeper. So, uh, Pete, Let's put all that thinking deeply aside and let's do smack talk. I don't know that I got
1: anything for smack talk. I've been so dreading this. Stinking <laughs> you're podcast. so scared of this, of this topic. Not, not scared. I'm just, I'm like, okay, you you're guys traumatized.
2: You have PTSD from one of our guests.
1: The, it was literally the <laughs> worst podcast we'd
2: ever done. It was the worst hour. I think you've ever spent in your life.
1: And you were so happy. You're like, this is oh. the best podcast. And then your wife listened to it, and she was like,
2: yeah, that was kind of boring. I'm like, see? It was like talking to a librarian, and I was so excited. Like, he knows all things books and reading, and he geeks out on it. And he and I just had a geek fest. And And uh, that was early on. it was
1: exciting. It was not exciting at all.
2: It, it totally wasn't worth it, though, because I think I broke something in Pete on that podcast. Like some decisions were made after that podcast. <laughs> Conversations were had. Speaking of decisions
1: being made, I think one of the best experiences that you and I had, it was near the beginning of this whole journey. We were at a, uh, a pastor's conference. I won't say which brand. <laughs> and you were, you were interviewing <laughs> You were interviewing like who is going to become the next leader of this denomination, (laughs) and you were making me stand in the sun because I was like supposed to video this interview, and you were just like geeking out to, and I'm like, dude, you're making me stand in the sun. I was so pissed.
2: That's the first time I thought you might actually physically harm me.
1: I left, and you were like calling me, "Hey, we're ready," and I was like, "I'm not coming. I'm not coming." You're in the shade sitting there geeking out with this dude, and you're making me stand in the sun. And Petey, <laughs> really don't stand in the sun. <laughs>
2: That's true. That's true. The yeah. head of the domination looked at, looked up and said, where, Where's your where's your filmographer? And I, where, where, I was like, Where's I your little know. helper? Where's and your he helper? He looked at me with a knowing look, like, It's okay, dude. I, I, I have people like that too. And then I knew we'd never, I didn't realize to I get, was your people te- here. I I'm thought teasing. I was your partner and here I am I'm your teasing. people. I'm teasing. No, he didn't do that. And that didn't happen. But, uh, PD PD did start to melt in the sun, like an ice cream cone. And he took off, he was gone. And I was like, yeah, Pete's like, don't make me stand
1: in the sun. <laughs> I was so done, man. So I w- and you learned you—that was a lesson that needed to be learned. And you learned don't make Pete stand in the sun
2: because he's That's not going right. to do it. That's right. You know, most people just be like, "Hey, dude, look, don't make me stand in the sun, okay?" But no, not Pete. It was, <laughs> it was, it was there's Def this, Con Four. There's this. There's. This, I don't know if I can tell the line from this movie. Yeah, it's. Have you seen any was, good Christmas movies? By the way, I want to come back to that. Uh, I rewatched Violent Night with the misses. Was that good? My daughter wants to watch that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. No, your daughter's no. a teenager. No. Have you seen Fat Man with Mel Gibson? Oh, yeah. I own it. That's a great movie.
1: That that one, I thought the trailer was better than the movie. Oh, I, I like put the movie better the, than the trailer. No,
2: see, you and I don't. No, like, we don't. So we don't I'm not going to like Violet Night. That's what you're telling me.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, based on our history, you may not. So here's here's the true story. Last year, it was coming up for our anniversary, and James was like, "What do you want to do?" And I go, "I want to go to the range." She goes, "I want to go to the movies." And I like compromise. Violet Night. <laughs> nice. That was, our, that was our compromise. That was the last cool thing year? about that was last year. year. So yeah. she wanted to rewatch it again this year, and this year re- rewatching it just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, man, there's a Everyone dies in this movie, like, and gruesomely. <laughs> that's oh, part of I think I'll
2: watch what, it tonight.
1: Part of what makes it so stinking funny is just like <laughs> over the top gruesome. You know, like, like
2: um. Yeah, I can't show that to my daughter. Uh, no, mom. Mom would have something to say.
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, eh. so. Uh, uh, Santa Claus is an old Viking, and Ooh. like. Yeah, and so he used to be on the warpath, and he, I can't remember the name of his hammer, whatever his hammer was. Like that's how he would go kill people so
2: with his hammer. <laughs> so it's so like, he's used it in the workshop to like he put does boys find together. a
1: sledgehammer. He does find a sledgehammer in the workshop, and he's like, because <gasps> he he needs to go save this little girl from these these bad terrorists. And it's it honestly, it, the best part is is whenever he like has Santa magic, he just goes. Yeah, it's Christmas magic. I don't understand it either. And like, I'm rad. like, that's a great way to explain anything.
2: Yeah, I don't understand it either. Like, I just, Hey, it is. Speaking of that, my brother wrote a, a novel. He did. Uh, he too was a Everybody on- in my family is a writer. I Okay, first off. <clears throat> so my grandfather was a like a best-selling Civil War author. I actually made one of his books into a TV show which uh, Brooks Hammond uh, actually sent me for Christmas a signed copy of one of my granddad's books for the Civil War Book Club. Um, it must have been like old, but anyways, my, I open it up and it's my granddad's signature, you know, signed by the author, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, this is so freaking cool. He's he's a really good gift giver. But he, uh, he had a card in there that said, Hey, Merry Christmas from your family to yours, because it's from my (laughs) grandfather, you know. But uh, anyways, but my dad was a playwright. He wrote some really cool stuff. And then um, my brother, though, is he's inherited. I, I think I inherited the nonfiction gene from my grandfather. And my brother inherited the fiction storytelling gene from my dad. So my brother wrote a book, and it's actually really good. It's a Viking book. It's The Origins of Santa Claus, and it's- um, Is it The Origins it, of Santa Claus? It is. It's his origin story. It makes him like a superhero, but it's his origin story. Dude, it is, is
1: Violent Night based off of your brother's book? Well,
2: it's funny you say this. There have been a number of things. Even um, there was uh, a TV show that ripped my brother's book off, like down to details. Because what my brother does is he explains the Christmas magic he explains a candy cane he explains the why hot chocolate for santa he explains all this in his book and it's called Nolly's wager n a l i apostrophe s wager nolly's wager it's a really good book um people love it like i mean people are like he's got this loyal following of people that love his he is actually a really good writer i think out of i've read Three or four of his manuscripts out of all of them. This, I think, is his least well-written book. It's very well-written. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it sucks. I'm saying I loved his other ones. He wrote a superhero novel that was fan. I mean, like Marvel good. It was so good, like early Marvel good. And uh, had some of the best characters. But his Nolly's Wager book is really good. And it's got Krampus in it. Krampus is like his arch enemy. And they fight. And he's like this old Viking pagan god. And um, and Chris is like, you know, Chris Kringle, obviously, he's a Viking. And uh, he's all butch. And, you know, he's like a lumberjack. He uses his axe and stuff. So it's pretty awesome, dude. Like, if you like Viking stuff, it's the origins of him as like a Viking you know, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, but interesting, yeah, some stuff ripped him off for sure. So, uh, yeah, interestingly enough, it, I'd sue, it was, uh, they, I'd sue, get the money, get yeah. the money and yeah. the credit. Why yeah, not? yeah, but I, I've seen a number of things where I'm like, but, but there's one movie in particular that came out like a couple of years ago. My brother's like, yeah, that was blatant. Somebody grabbed hold of my book. And ripped a ton of ideas out of it. So and it, it's kind of unmistakable, you know. Um, there's stuff you've never heard before that <laughs> ended up in this movie. My brother's like, Day, you know, come on. Like, that's not cool. So Interesting. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. People do huh. that. But you know, it's out there, it's on Amazon. You can go look at his name, by the way, is Virgil Carrington Jones. So uh he got the fancy name. Apparently. <laughs> I got the family name. Peyton was like Peyton Randolph was one of my ancestors and it was my grandmother's maiden. Your middle family. name is Randolph. Yeah. Don't Do you know, know how that? Viking that is? Dude, I'm going to start calling you Randy. Call me Randolph. You know, I used to be really embarrassed by it till I found out what it meant. Randolph means wolf shield referred to someone who protected the village from wolves, wolf shield. Come on. How rad is that? Like I'll You're take it, wanna- Randolph. You just want to go by Wolf Shield.
1: Don't even call just me, me just. Wolf
2: Shield. Um, hey, you know, uh, I I will take this opportunity to remind everyone that I am descended from Ragnar Lothbrok. So, I'll directly take your word for it. Directly. But I would just like to uh, take a moment to remind everybody that
1: uh, I am a Native American, and my tribe sued the government because it's like to say in my
2: family. No, Kuya Indian uh, out of the California. See, I thought it was Creek till my family did the DNA test. Turns out I'm uh 116 Cherokee. 116th. One that's a lot. Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude, my great-grandfather, you put a headdress on him. He is chief, you know, sitting bull. I mean, he is, he is as native American wow. as it gets. That's why my grandma, she looks kind of, she looks a little dark, you know, almost gypsy. And my mom looked part Hispanic. So, uh, me, I'm a little darker, but, uh.
1: Yeah. That's why you don't mind the sun. I'm just pointing out the there. Sun. I'm not that's, one
2: sixteenth. Hey, that's my Viking blood coming through. You know, there, there are days of the year, like winter solstice is tomorrow. There are days of the year, Pete, where the sun only shines one hour. What, uh, what my tribe did is we sued the
1: government because as we like to say in my family, white man stole our land and I'm about as white as you can get.
2: So why do you always actually, tell me don't trust whitey when we get off the phone. I do. And I say, <laughs> fight the power. That's the one I give you. <laughs> By the power, don't trust Whitey. Now I um, get where now I get where this is coming from.
1: I just, well, here's the thing, though the the lawsuit we won and the settlement went down as far as my degree. Look how Indian I look, and it went down to my generation. Is that <laughs> not <laughs> ridiculous? How much you get? I, I was born a couple of years after, so I got a letter from the Department of the Interior Bureau of Indian Affairs saying, "Yes, I'm queer Indian." My dad had a California roll number, but they wouldn't give me one because they stopped issuing them. So, yeah. wow! I couldn't, I couldn't, well, didn't. my cousin's got scholarships. I would have gotten a
2: grant. Yeah. I my cousin's mic- got
1: scholarships. college. I, uh, so <laughs> I put on my, my applications to college that I was native American. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm no stupid guy that I know that they give out free stuff to, to, you know, minority groups. And I'm, I'm technically, I can, the only thing in my lineage I can prove, I can't prove Irish, but I can prove native American
2: and you can uh, prove Irish. all you gotta do is look at you
1: no that's not proof though that dude's irish so i go i'm working at biola where i ended up going i'm working in admissions like this is a day job where you like call the the prospective high schoolers and like everyone else i'm like i'm gonna look up my own file and see what they put in here (laughs) they (laughs) changed it from native american to white that's because you got to put your picture with your application i'm like dude
2: (coughs) i could have gotten free
1: stuff i could have gotten free stuff
2: That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, um, Pete, I can tell you are deeply anticipating today's topic, but before we do, I want to talk about how your hair identifies your hair is starting to identify like my hair, not parted, not unparted, but departed. I told you what uh, McKenzie's best friend McKenzie goes,
1: have you seen my dad? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, what does he look like? He's got washed out orange hair with a touch of white. (laughs) That's, our best friend.
2: <laughs> she has a me. way with words. We should get her on the podcast at some point and like interview her. It'd be so McKenzie? rad. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I think Luke would be upset if you didn't ask him first. Oh, oh, he'd be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I think we do an episode where we interview our kids. Cause you know, I mean, <laughs> Hey Pete, we're circling the drain, right? And I mean, when you reach bondy's got to jump the shark at some point brooks you don't understand that reference see me later hey so uh no but seriously though um we are i'm excited about 2024 because i got a list of really good topics that i'm brewing so it'll hopefully be better than today's topic oh well they're gonna be more of the same Pete. (laughs) i'm thinking the year of books the year of books, what I read? No, 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 <laughs> you no. should see Pete's frozen in horror right now. He's contemplating that breakup again of our podcast. I didn't break it up last time. You left me. I didn't leave you. Yeah, but this time you're really thinking. I'm still I think I'm gonna Initiate. I'm still
1: hey, here. Do you remember that joke when like uh. You know, the husband and wife they have been married a few years and, you know, they're they're tooling around in the husband's truck and he's got one of them old trucks with the the bench seats and stuff. And and the wife says to the husband, hey, do you remember when we were first date? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. She's like, you remember when when I, uh, you know, we used to sit right next to each other when we'd go places here in the truck and he just looks at her and he goes, well, I haven't moved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so good. I love it. That's
1: that's Our breakup on the podcast. Well, I didn't move. It was you. It was you that left. So (coughs)
2: good. Great, Scott. We need some time, Pete. All right. Here you go. (laughs) For the worst podcast. Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic.
0: Let's get down to the nitty gritty.
2: Yes, indeed. Let's get. All right, Pete. We're going to start with yours. No, you're starting (laughs) with mine. (laughs) All right. So this has been. Let me just say first off, this has been a year for me of more reading than I have done in a very long time. So I'm very excited. First off, i I bought a really expensive version because you know been getting too much coaching money of Shakespeare.
0: Shakespeare, I bought an,
2: yeah, I bought some Shakespeare. I bought a I bought a limited one thousand. Uh, copies edition from the Folio Society of Shakespeare. That was my gift to myself for finishing some curriculum. That was kind of a big ass for me. It was hard. I got stretches here. Um, so I bought that as a reward. And uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, I'm sitting down reading Shakespeare's plays right now. It's amazing. I mean, they make you do it in high school, which sucks. It's hard for me at 50 years old at times. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting there going, wait, I got to reread that again. So I'll have to reread it sometimes three times and then go, oh, okay. Or I'll put it down, come back and pick it up and reread it and immediately get it, which is weird about the brain. But there is kind of a, your brain will start to pick it up by more exposure, what they're saying and how they're communicating. It's kind of cool. But but I'm pushing myself because I've never read his complete place, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning so much about our culture. So much came out of what he's saying. So many moods, so many thoughts, phrases. He invented a ton of phrases, things that are now part of our language, which is kind of cool. So that's the first one, but I don't want to bore you, so I'm going to stop there.
1: Thank you, because I was about ready to go hang myself.
2: This is what makes this the best reading episode ever. <laughs> dude,
1: freaking was, I, Shakespeare. Was, I, was I coming close me? to
2: that dude? That one guest before was like, was I dangerously close or was I, was I starting to slip? You beyond? don't understand
1: how bad that podcast was. Like it was horrible and you loved it. And it, it took your wife, it took your wife to let you know,
2: Hey, Maybe Pete's not so crazy. No, it, no, Pete it, Pete represents every man. Uh so well, okay. not
1: really, because you you actually <laughs> I mean, literally when it comes to pastors, typically they a bunch of readers. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like they love to read. Like as a group, it's it's one of those those few. Yeah. All right. So let me give you one of the books. I actually okay. reread this uh this year. It's called Ask by Ryan Levesque. Ooh, and, uh, I it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, it's more for me, right. Cause it's more of a marketing, but what I found really interesting, and this is something that I think can be applied to a lot of different, uh, areas of life is, um, what he does when he like reaches out to a new community, cause he's going to sell a new product or something like that. Is when they come in, we, we have people do something called the opt-in, right? Like you give away eBooks, like you've written some for exponential that they've given away. And, you know, the reason why people do that is when they fill out their form, like you collect their data and then you can start emailing them. Right. So what this guy would do and how he went from being a nothing to like this major player in, in the industry is he literally would ask people different questions. So he knew how to follow mm. up with them better. And one of the, and this is the key thing that I took away from it. If I were to ask you, Peyton, you know, what, where do you see New Breed in five years? Like, what's your ultimate goal? Sometimes it's like it's hard for us to really define that. No, I got that. But if I were to ask you, what's the thing you hate the most about working in New Breed? Like, that's the thing that people can really identify. Fundraising, right? I hate. Right. It. Right. Like people can, they know what they don't like, or if they've done that experience before, like if you were to go to someone who um, doesn't go to church and they used to go to church. Okay. What did you not like about church? They can tell you exactly what they didn't like. Like it's, it's, it's crystal clear what they don't like. It becomes a lot more ambiguous when we start asking them, what did you like most about church? Like if you went to someone who went to church before, you what did you like the most about? I mean, they can't really think about it because that's not what takes hold in their mind. What takes hold in their mind is the things that they don't like. And so that's one of the things that I've implemented in, you know, a lot of my businesses, like anybody who's gone to mission by (laughs) business.com, just throwing that out there. Like if you go over there, like when you go to opt in to see the video training that I've got, it's going to ask you three different questions. And it's going to be like, you know, what do you like least about being a church planner? What do you like least about, uh, being bivocational what do you like And because what we're trying to do is we're trying to find out what are the things that they don't like and is our solution something that gets them past those things like it, it what do you what do you like the least about this podcast about books the fact that it's about books <laughs> there you go but see see what i'm saying i can tell you exactly yeah. I would ask you, what do you like the most about the book podcast? <laughs> oh, I love to talk about books.
2: then I get to read more? oh, geez. You should see Pete's face.
1: I know, right? It's classic. So there you go. Ask by Ryan Levesque.
2: That's cool. All right. So that sounds really good. All right. So along those lines, if I go to my Audible library, uh, I listen to, because I count that as the same. If I'm taking in that information, I know we're, oh, that was intimate. Pete's dog just licked him on the lips.
1: It's the younger woman in my life.
2: Ooh. Wow. She is uh, she is all that. So, uh, she the likes four- to sleep
1: with me every chance she gets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Best podcast ever. Oh, my gosh. The four-hour work week. Escape nine to five, live anywhere, and join the new rich. I read that because a friend said he read it and it blew his mind. So I read it eh, not so much. It's kind of outdated now. I mean, that that message is really old. I mean, I know Tim first kind of cashed in on it, but I've read better books than this.
1: What's on funny the same is, thing? The reason why I've never read that book is because of the title. The title is such a lie. It is a lie and that's the whole thing it's like i i read that title I'm, i can't read the book i know the title's a lie i know tim ferriss works like a maniac he doesn't work 4 hours a
2: week no. i'm like this is a lie like how can i read this book it's a total lie right in the it title is a lie but but he's kind of <clears throat> he's kind of that guy that is often criticized for not saying things that are true um people is tend it? to say yeah people tend to say oh he's full of crap you know blah 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 The thing he actually sets up in the book really well, the best part of the entire book was his advice for working with EAs. Um, He was really good on that. And he sells the EA executive assistant where you can go for a company. He talks about how he started to um, work his life in a way where EAs were doing everything. EAs were – um, buying things, booking hotels for him, you know, yada, yada. Well, if you just have employees, um, they can do that. But he he kind of shows how that frees him up a bit. And that was good, you know, but uh, I need to get my EA and EA. We've talked about this. But um, the other thing that I, I read was Surrender by Bono. Um, holy crap. What a freaking amazing autobiography. Um, getting inside that dude's head, I think he's fascinating. That was pretty cool. So I enjoyed every second of that. Uh, do I get to
1: go again, or are we just going to keep going down Peyton's list? I, I thought you only had one book. I, I know. That's how you view me. So <laughs> I understand. I told you at the beginning, hey, you
2: can just talk about the one book you read.
1: but <laughs> You did. <laughs> you're so, like, you
2: jerk. No, it's it's fairly accurate. (laughs) No, it's not. You actually listen to a ton of books.
1: Well, I used to listen to more when I drove more. I don't drive much anymore, so I don't listen to as many. But uh, so I've been. I'm only about halfway through this one. It's called "The Hacker's Mind" by Bruce Schneider. Schneider. It's not Snyder. It's Schneider. Anyway, already. What uh, what it's all about is, um, the hacker's mind is really getting you to think about like, kind of like how hackers do what they do and not just on the technical side. Like he brings up how we do hacks in all areas of life and how like the government comes out with the rules and they say, okay, this is what the law is. And then we look at the law and we go, okay, so then if I do this, it's not illegal. (laughs) Like uh, uh, for me, a really good example of this, because you know, I got to do this, you know, I got to bring this back around. It's uh, the gun culture in California. So the laws in California, when it comes to an, what they would refer to as an assault weapon, yeah, Peyton leaves, right? He doesn't want to hear this, <laughs> is they basically say, okay, you you can't have certain features on the gun. Like you can't have a flash hider. You can't let your thumb wrap around the back of the the handle. And so all the gun community does is they look at all those laws and they go, okay, Um, we'll, we'll come out with other stuff then. (laughs) they just literally, it's the exact same thing Mm -hmm. does the same thing. They just, okay. So now we'll put a muzzle brake on the end of it instead of a flash hider, which ironically makes the gun easier to control, not harder. So it's like, okay, you just made the weapons much more efficient, Mr. Politician. Great. Right. But the idea of the hacker's mind is that's what they do is they just, and it's not illegal. Because you said this is what the rules are. All they're doing is figuring out, okay, so then how do we get to what we want to do? And there's so many different areas of life. As an example, he goes into one of the ways that um, people launder money, which I thought he, I was like, okay, he's not telling the whole story here. They will buy real estate. Like apparently there's like even this one building in New York that's 80% unoccupied because what they're doing is they're buying the real estate and then they get a loan. So they pay cash for the real estate and then they get a loan against it. And that's how they laundered the money because loans are not taxable and it's against the real estate. So they'll give you, you know, your million, two million, five million, whatever you want to pull out of your, your real estate. And now you've got that money back in your pocket and it's been effectively cleaned. And, and I guess that's a big problem in a lot of major cities where people, you know, they'll buy real estate for the sole purpose of doing that very thing of basically washing the money. And I'm like, okay, but he's not telling the whole story because it's not easy to get, you know, multiple millions of dollars into the banking system in order to buy that real estate. So like, he's not telling that piece of it. Right. But that's just me as an ex financial planner, looking at it going, yeah, it doesn't quite work that way. But I understand the principle behind it because uh, people get all up in arms about you know, uh, Elon Musk, right? Because they're like, "Oh, well, y- y- we should be able to to tax billionaires on their unrealized gains." And then, but it's like, well, they haven't actually realized it yet. Like, there, there's no actual money in their pocket. And then, um, so th- then they were like looking at Elon Musk, and they're like, "Well, what about Elon Musk? I mean, he's got you know the richest man in the world right now, and he's not paying taxes on all that money." They're like, yeah, but he hasn't realized it. Like he only realizes that if he sells the stock, then he's actually made money. But until that point, he hasn't done it. But what do the rich do? Well, he can get a loan against the stock that he hasn't sold. And every bank in the world will give him money because they know he's good for it. And loans are not taxable. Like when you got your mortgage loan, Peyton, you didn't pay taxes on the money that you borrowed to buy the house because loans aren't taxable. So then I'm, oh see, look, he is realizing the money. I mean, yeah, but he's not, because eventually the loan's got to be paid back and you know that whole thing. But mm. it's just it's interesting. Like, just the, the point of the book is just getting yourself into the mindset of like, how can we look at the situation and use it to our advantage, which is either going to be end up they they'll change the regulation, hmm. or it goes more often than not, what they do is it just becomes a an accepted part of life. And I would right. even argue that life insurance is that same way. Um, life insurance, when you have a, a properly structured a life insurance policy, you can put all kinds of cash in it grow it tax deferred, pull the money out tax free. And that came about from like, you know, a hundred years ago. And they just basically made it a part of life. And a lot of people today, that's what they'll do to avoid taxes. You just go hide it inside of a life insurance policy. And it's just, now it's just accepted. That's just the way you do it. So anyway,
2: interesting concept. I, a hacker's I, I see what you're doing. You're, you're just filling. excuse me you're just uh filling all this time that i can't talk about books about your your awful books yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so along those lines a similar book that i read was thomas jefferson's biography the art of power um of course, I'm teasing, but he was so freaking entrepreneurial. And I, I actually really love listening to your books, um, unlike you listening to mine, because I, I think all of those ways that like businessmen think, Paul learned to think like a businessman and apply it to ministry. Um, and the, there's so much evidence for that. Um, he he became entrepreneurial for the gospel.
1: Do you think he became entrepreneurial or do you think he was? Like, I don't know. How, how were the Pharisees before, was that a full-time gig? Oh, he
2: was full-time. Yeah. He was, he was studying under rabbi Gamaliel.
1: How did he learn the trade
2: of, it was his family trade and he, uh, went back to Tarsus and fell back on that. Um, so yeah, you're quite right. He may have actually had more of an entrepreneurial gene in him. I believe Antioch sent him out almost fully funded. Um, and, and, and then, just to be
1: fair in that culture, everyone was entrepreneurial.
2: Like you didn't have yeah. jobs like that. I mean, you yeah. just didn't for the most part. <laughs> there were many slaves and servants, um, and people that worked for others to work off debt, but there was, um, yeah, you're right. I it wasn't mean, like you're going to go to
1: Kmart and get a job there. Walmart, and get a job. It's there. like when you
2: go to the middle East now, you'll find people part of the year working in like, if you go to like Mediterranean islands, they're working in hotels or in the summer months. Rest of the year, they're farming and harvesting and selling dates and figs and, you know, whatever, goat's milk. So it, it's really interesting. You go there today, and it's it's very much the same. Everybody's little house is a little mini farm. So, but anyways, um, Art of Power by Thomas, uh, you know, about Thomas Jefferson, pretty amazing book um, because he's an amazing dude. But then beyond that, I read – um uh <laughs> Two, I'm going to have to give like five bucks for every one of yours because uh, we'll I, I'm, done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, I yeah. was going to say, otherwise we might have to do a two or th- even three part series. Dude,
1: indeed. I'm serious. I'm going to go <laughs> gonna jump quit. off the bridge. I'm
2: going to quit. But uh, but I did Ideal Team Player by Lencioni and discovered that in certain scenarios, I'm not an ideal team player, which is ironic considering I advocate team leadership. And expression right now is like, yeah, no, duh. But it's funny because I believe that when I lead a church or if I'm leading the team, I foster team leadership. Like I very much embody those humble, hungry, and smart. If I'm an employee, I'm not. I'm just hungry. I'm not humble. And mm. I'm not smart. I don't give a rip. I uh, This is my attitude when I show up at work somewhere else. All right, you losers and slackers, let's go. Let's get this done, right? And I and I don't have a lot of patience. There have been times where I've taken contracts. And if I'm working with an organization that I don't think is hungry, I start developing that. So working with an organization or working for an organization, I'm just hungry. I'm not anything else. Um, then the other one, that, that, good to great. I'm reading that by Jim Collins, another business book classic. I'm like 20 years after everyone else reading it. That book is amazing. Mm -hmm. Have you read that Pete? No, I haven't, but I've heard so much about it. Oh my gosh. You got to read this fricking book. He analyzes all these companies that went from good to great. And then now if you get the audible version, it's him reading it. There's times dude, he gets fully passionate. Like he's almost yelling at points. It's pretty cool. He's getting so worked up. Uh, but 20 years later, he's adding postscripts. So like, he talks about like Gillette as one of those companies that went from good to great. Now, 20 years later, he's talking about why they lost it. So it's pretty dang cool.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah, I think you'd really like it. Um, but even looking at, at things like ministries, how does a ministry go from good to great? How do you become? So like for New Breed, I'm I'm not going to lie to everybody here. I'm not out to compete with any other network. Um, but the term it's in the label, it's in the term. We don't want to compete with those other networks, denominations, because we're not anything like them and we're not going to be anything like, we're not going to operate like they do. Um, and I don't mean that out of arrogance. I just mean, we want to give it all the frick away. We want to, um, have our stuff everywhere out in the world. And then I want to die. Like, okay, you know, now your servant may depart in peace. But Good to Great is one of those books that's really making me think about what it takes to break the mold and break out and um, do something really unique. And that's what I want New Breed to do and to be. And uh, I don't care if anyone ever knows about it. And that's part of the way that maybe I'm not following the book at all. I don't want you to recognize New Breed's name brand down the line. I just want to get the, the mission done. So uh planet Narnia, so again, I'm not a business person, not a businessman. I am a missionary at art, and that always kind of seems to work against me, but no big. But here, here we go. Planet Narnia. Whoa. Best Audible I've listened to in years. It's about, I don't want to give it away, but it's about C.S. Lewis's secret um uh, way that he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he had a system like people think of as like a random bunch of things all thrown together. This is now considered the standard work on the Narnian Chronicles. Like this is very well accepted by all scholars on, on CS Lewis. So this is like the guy proves so well what CS Lewis did. And Lewis does not tell you this is what I'm doing, but this guy researched it. Um, and came up. But anyways, the, the book is Planet Narnia. I'm listening to the Audible. Very good reader. I makes such a big difference. On I just Audible.
1: realized what our next podcast needs to be. Top movies we saw in 2023.
2: Ooh, yeah, I do that. I do that.
1: And the reason is, is because I just saw a trailer for uh, a movie. I don't remember what it was called. But uh because I went and saw the Godzilla movie on Sunday that
2: you were telling me about. it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I was really disappointed, though. Because oh really? i show up and i'm like oh crap it's in japanese and i gotta read subtitles <laughs> like, is it in japanese read. yeah i didn't want to read dude no i didn't want to read for two hours
2: yeah but do you really need <laughs> the so dialogue funny. like
1: it's so funny we're talking about a book podcast and i don't want to read but
2: isn't is, isn't there that meme that says if you watch godzilla backwards it's about a benevolent monster that rebuilds <laughs> cities before he walks back into the sea
0: <laughs> that's funny
2: there's another well, one about jaws wait i gotta tell this one if if you watch jaws yes yeah, I've it's seen about a it's about a generous shark that goes around uh supplying Putting arms and legs back on. yeah to quadriplegics and paraplegics supplying artificial limbs
1: yeah no so anyway there's a, a new movie coming out uh between c.s lewis and freud it's like the last conversation that uh right. or, you know yeah it's it's their whole Frickin relationship that. and you know, going back and forth. And yeah, so Holy I'm like, dude, I, I totally want to see that
2: movie oh C.S. My Lewis gosh. and Freud. Is it Max yeah. McLean playing him? Cause that dude's uh, like, I'm a Max McLean junkie. I, I, I honestly think don't remember. So cool. I honestly right. don't remember. All right. Well, okay, so it looks like we're going to start running out of time. Let me just give a couple shout-outs to some of the biggest ones I have read and reread I have been going through. One of my mentors was a guy named Peter Jaffrey. And future this year, we're going to get Rob Stone on. He runs Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, uh, does all the Martin Lloyd-Jones recordings, also does my mentor who was trained by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was Martin lloyd Jones's protege, a guy named Peter Jaffrey. Uh, my mentor, the reason I ended up at, at lloyd Jones's church, but he wrote a number of books with Evangelical Press, which is primarily over overseas. Um, but he, Calvary Press, a few others. But he, um, he wrote all these books for new believers and for making disciples. I'm going through his books. Believers need the gospel. New Christians start here. The Christian Handbook, Seeking God. Like all these books are amazing, and I'm just going back through. Reading his stuff he 's one of the best preachers in in my estimation that ever lived, and i 'm going through that but so a bunch of his works um but one of them uh sorry not not his books, but another group of authors that i've been deep diving on for um looking at Jesus as a trainer and how Jesus rabbinically trained is Reverend Dr. Tom Johnston and Mike. Chong Perkinson. Now they've written a number of books, but the one, and I've literally, I don't think I've ever read one book in three, three times in a year in my entire life, but I kept picking up this book called Organic Reformation that those two wrote 20 something years ago. It's like 20 years ago this year. Amazing book. If you want what I do with Paul in plantology, these guys do with Jesus. so, as I'm doing my gospel thing, I have, I have, I know them both, um, have reached out to them repeatedly. They run Praxis, they, they, or yeah, as a Praxis network, they, um, they're amazing. Both of them are amazing dudes, um, each in their own right. But, uh, The Way of the Master is Reverend Dr. Tom Johnston's book on Jesus' rabbinical methods. Organic Reformation is like the equivalent of Church Zero 20 years ago. It's Shaping of Things to Come by Hirsch. It's their version of this. 20 years ago, uh, they started rocking the apple cart. If I had picked this book up 20 years ago, I just would have ridden their coattails. I would not have done, I would not have written Church Zero, which is ironic because Mike Red Church Zero, when it came out, it's like, I would love to meet that dude one day. And now I I meet with him every Friday to pray with him. We become really good friends. Not best friends, Pete. Don't worry. He hasn't edged you out yet. But, uh, but basically. Um, you don't
1: call. You don't write. You don't play <laughs> Fortnite.
2: Hey, I've been getting on Fortnite a little bit here and there. If you were in the chat group, you'd
1: put it out there. You'd say, hey, killing commies. Oh, we'd know to come run.
2: Put me back in. Can I Come back? Yeah, put me back so I can know when you guys are on. Can I? So, so cuz I'm this time of year, I'm jonesing for it. See what I did there? Before <laughs> <I'm> jonesing. <laughs> so uh so those are good um okay The other one, Um, Trish Warren Harrison, I'm on a huge Advent kick, if you couldn't tell. She has an Advent book. I love that. Valley of Vision did an Advent follow-up to their devotional. I also did something highly liturgical with my sabbatical last year, which I continued into this year, which is called the Divine Hours, which is almost like going to a little like Anglican service every day in your own living room. I love that. And then, uh, sorry, I'm really geeking out um all creation waits which is an advent book that takes apart an animal a day and talks now this to me is amazing this is like solomon where it says he had understanding of fishes and birds and all animals and he would just discourse on it that's what this lady's doing she's disc <laughs> Paul's holding up go on tell us about a 100 million dollar offer you called me Paul 100 million dollar leads
1: these are two books that I read this year Alex Ramosi. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I thought you were done. I thought, well, I didn't know you were going to keep going. You're like 10 minutes ago said it's time to end the podcast. Oh, wait. Let me geek out on some more books over here. No,
2: no, no, no. Go on. Talk about your $100 million leads. No, I'm not going
1: to. I did buy it for Vinny and I sent it to him. I said, here, this will help you. Fine. Be that way. Do you think it would apply to ministry? Everything applies to
2: ministry. Are are you kidding me? And they're by, though.
1: These guys are Bivo. I'm showing them. Here's how you what? make money, guys. Here's how. Not, well, not those guys. Oh,
2: <laughs> I was like, come on. i talking
1: about our listeners are Bivo.
2: <laughs> so, okay. No, that's good. Talk about it, man. I'm good. I'm good.
1: No, forget it. I'm done. I've well, been hurt, then, too, you're bad. Only I'm hurt too bad. Be-
2: hey, you're only going to make me go on to the two-volume fatty that's also fascinating burning my heart for revival called the Welsh Calvinistic Methodists, which is a two-volume about how Harris Daniel Rollins, ooh, creating community, five keys to building a thriving small group coach. Why are we not talking about that? Andy Stanley and Bill Willits, come on! Because I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that You, I liked that you cheated. I'm just gonna throw. You know, I'm gonna slip Peyton a Mickey, right?
1: That's, oh, uh, oh, these I did read. Oh, well, come
2: this, on, this, ooh. Yeah. Oh, Predator versus Wolverine. Now I will accept graphic novels.
1: This this is number three. Uh, issue number three. The first two were lit, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes.
2: Remember, I've never seen Predator, but doesn't he have little claws <sighs> on his hands? We know. We know. No, no this, it's right?
1: not. No, he doesn't have claws on his hands. He has blades on his armor. Oh, okay. That come out. I need yeah. to watch Predator.
2: How have you never watched Predator? I I. I don't know. Like I missed it, I'm kind of I feel kind of dirty inside. Did you like, watch Aliens? Oh, worse. Then, so okay, seriously. Okay, so you're, so you're over to the movie, Sneaky For
1: Violent Night, you got to watch the original Predator, not number I two. No,
2: because even though I, know I like so much two, about it, never as good as number one. But you got to watch the first one. It's kind of like a secret shame, but I did confess this on the podcast and Andrew's I do like, remember you saying that Henry goes you can't watch it without me so uh, okay so I'll watch it with her but she never wants to watch it so I think I'm just gonna sneak off and watch it and tell her after the fact I'll watch predator I'll
1: give you her know, I'm chance. I'm gonna have a I wanna have an intervention in your family. Yeah. Um you know how like Netflix allows you to like join with other people and you can all watch the same movie watch, from your party. watch party a watch party I'm gonna do that with you guys. I don't know if we do Netflix. It's probably on Prime or something. Oh. I'm sure I own it
2: because I've seen it so many times. So but. I am such an alien lover that I actually this week was Well, looking when they through. did the
1: crossover Predator versus Aliens, how could you not watch
2: those? So so it's funny you say that because I heard that they made a newer, like those just got dumber and dumber, but that they made a really good one. Yeah. And recently it came out and people are like, dude, that thing was awesome. So but I you still need see to that.
1: watch all of them because it's sci-fi it's aliens and it's predator.
2: So you got to watch them. All. I am like, you have no idea. And right now, the other night I actually watched event horizon because somebody said, well, that's kind of the next The best shortest
1: thing. distance between two points is through hell. That's Zero. a great movie.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, so interesting about that movie, that, uh that movie was very much of like, that was an interesting view of hell. That wasn't like your album covers. That was more like a Dante's Inferno version of hell. That was interesting. Apparently the movie done. was too gory and nasty. It was almost like a Hellraiser and the uh, studio made him tone it way the heck down. Really? So that's why when wow. you see all the glimpses where he's, he keeps flashing all these, like, tortures and stuff of people suffering in hell, those were full scenes that they they just used quick flashes. Because, no, yeah, people People were getting up and walking out. It was Can so we get gruesome. the Jack Schneider cut of that then? <laughs> it, the footage no longer exists. It exists somewhere. Because, you know, when I watch a movie... I'm gonna read all about it afterwards, and you know, like so. This is why I know all these little details because I, 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 I geek too much out on this stuff. It's part of how I'm wired. I did a strength finder again, and uh, apparently, this is just what I do. Interesting. Mm. So, uh, well, hey, on that bright note, hell in space. Um, I there are so many that, but the book about the Welsh Calvinistic Methodist fathers, they would not approve of me watching Event Horizon. I'll have you know, but that book was very, very, it's two volumes and I'm just at the beginning and I'm like, I get two, like, these books are like 800 pages a volume. And I'm like, I get 800 more pages, like 16, 15 more hundred pages of this. This is awesome. I don't feel that way about many books, but I do about Shakespeare. Let's talk about that some more, Pete.
1: So if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do wait, what wait, doing.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Before
1: that, we got to do our commercially bits. Oh, uh, dude, I just wanted to end, that, end, end the pain and the suffering. Okay,
2: <laughs> Hey, probably by the time this shows, this is at the beginning of the new year, it's not too late to register for uh making disciples course. You can join me for eight weeks. I'll be training. You can head on over to com slash making disciples and sign up for the course. Uh I'll see you on the other side. I don't know what else to say. Pizza Marketer, not me.
1: Uh, if you're wondering how you're going to make ends meet in 2024, check out missionbybusiness.com where I show vocational pastors how to Earn a a side income that's usually big enough to replace your full-time income (laughs) while you church plant.
2: Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Well guys, uh, thanks for joining us today. Pete sign us out.
1: Uh, again. So if you really want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.
2: Really do what no
1: one's doing.